Keys to Lost is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all of your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com. What are you doing? So you never plan to bring him back to the temple? No. Not interested in being a prisoner, are you? Where did your plane land, Kate? What? The Ajira plane that you, Jack, and Hurley came in on. Where did it land? I don't know. The son was on that plane, too. And I have to find her. You think they're going to tell you? You think they care about you or about son or about any of us? Who do you care about, Kate? Keys to Lost, a weekly podcast dedicated to ABC Television's Lost, hosted from a musician's perspective. I am one of those musicians. My name is Matt Murdock. I'm a keyboard player in the St. Louis area and another musician in the St. Louis area, singer and songwriter and pianist in her own right, Leslie Sanazaro-Santi, is my co-host. Hi, Leslie. How are you? Hey, I'm good, Matt. Happy to be here with you. We just want to say hello to everybody. We just got done uh, this week seeing yet another episode of Lost. Yay! Yay! This is the 40th episode of Keys to Lost, and we're reviewing Season 6, Episode 3, What Kate Does. So if you haven't seen the episode, any of you folks in the UK or whatever, uh, if it's on delay for you, or if you're in Asia and it's on delay for you, then you might not want to listen to us today if you want to hear what's going on with the show already then please continue to listen and we thank you for listening to us 
Speaking of thanking people for listening to things, why don't we talk for just a second about the Lost podcast with Jay and Jack. They are going to do a 30-hour marathon on March 20th and 21st. And uh, the marathon benefits Autism Speaks. You can be sure to go to Jay and Jack's podcast and catch all of the details for that. By the way, Jay just got engaged, so congratulations, Jay. Yeah, him and Colleen finally got engaged, so we want to say congratulations to the two of them. About time. And uh, what else? Let's see. Uh, I want to give a personal shout-out to the Black Rock Podcast. On Sunday night, I listened to them just a little bit, and they were actually the one podcast this week that explored and theorized more about the meaning of the alternative timeline. We were all saying, you know, well, what is it? Where is it going? You know, what, you know, more or less kind of picking it apart from a negative standpoint, whereas they were really diving into it and 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 exploring, you know, what its relationship was to the island and everything and, and coming up with some things. And, of course, Kurt Yanko and uh, Dan and Nancy Drew always do a fabulous job and Lost Lindsay. So uh, just check out their podcasts of course I'm sure you already do what Katie said podcasts also did a similar thing Katie Gowan from uh, overseas she she kind of explored what the alternate timelines could mean as well in her episode 11 she's now on the Lost Podcast Network so I would encourage you to listen to that one as well and I've got to give a shout out to my buddy Donald such a great guy and uh, from the Donald is Lost podcast donaldislost.com His recent episode, number 78, Louisiana X, was a great deal of fun to to do. It was one of his skit episodes. It's one of his myth arc episodes. And I get beat up quite a bit. And I had a heck of a time. It was fun to make the sound effects for getting beat up. So that was great. And uh, (laughs) he also hosted our initial reaction show uh, this last week with uh, Heath and I. He was the host, and it went on his feed. I believe that's episode 77, if you want to hear that one from Donald is Lost. And he did a great job running it. I think he kind of set the bar for me and Heath to try and catch up with when, next time that we host. So uh, be sure to check out Donald is Lost. And also, we want to give a shout-out to Jed and Kara, like I seem to every week, because they're always doing something fun for us, or we're trying to do something fun for them. And they do a great vidcast. It's Losties with Jed and Kara. Uh, we submitted a video to them about our premiere party, and you can catch that on their Monday episode of this past week. It was a great deal of fun uh, to, uh, well, to have the party, of course. We loved having the party, and then to uh, share it with y'all. So we hope you'll check out that video. And with that, are you ready to dive into what Kate does? I am. Let's do it. I'm sure that doesn't mean that much to you. Because back when you were called in the shots, you pretty much just reacted. Initial reaction. So, Leslie, what did you think of the show? Well, my initial reactions for this episode, too, was that it was a good episode, um, but it was definitely no season premiere contender. Um, I thought I, I, I thought that we'd see... I thought it'd be a little bit more exciting, maybe, you know? Um, I mean, there was some excitement as Kate's breaking away and everything. Um, but I, I guess, you know, at the end of the episode, I look, I was thinking thinking back on it, you know, just like right at right after it was over, and I'm thinking... 
well, what did Kate do? You know, <laughs> she right. drove Claire to the hospital. That's supposed to what? Is, I don't understand why that's so important. So it was kind of a moment of you know expecting a little bit more of a you know some kind of big revelation about Kate or or not even a big revelation, but but something that that was I don't know maybe a little bit different. And it seemed like some things really a lot of things really stay the same even if the shape of them changes a lot. Right. Yeah. You know.、Uh... For an initial reaction, this episode left me very flat.、Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it had interesting moments and whatever, but, but I remember right after I was watching it, and even with my discussion with Heath and Donald later, that we were all just kind of like, well, you know, there's some things in it. You know, we can talk about these things, but it's like a really slow-moving kind of episode. You know,、mm-hmm. uh, as we get more into to looking at things, you'll see that、uh, my rewatches have. Have spawned a few more thoughts, and that you know it probably wasn't as bad an episode as my initial reaction would have indicated. But in, in, initially, it just really just kind of left me kind of flat. Again, probably you know it's withdrawal from the knock you over the head stuff that we got <laughs> in in LAX. Oh my gosh, for sure. You know,、um, but there is a great deal of subtlety in here, and even with Kate,、uh, I'll just put this out here right now is that. I did find some some purpose in Kate's story in this. Where there's been ep- Kate episodes where I haven't.、Mm-hmm. Um, but what Kate does is run.、Uh, she's running from something in both in both worlds, in the X world and in the 2007 Island timeline. She's running from the temple. She's basically trying to catch up with Sawyer so that they can run together, or so she thinks. Um, she's running from the law in LAX,、um, but what happens is somewhere in that turning point, and it's with Claire in the X world and with Sawyer at the dock in our regular world. There, she stops running from, and she starts running to. She's still running, but. You st- to me, there, there, that the emotion, her letting go with that crying and that scene of the dock, and we'll talk more about that in the key scenes. But that that was the the turning point where she she turns away from the thought of running away from anything, and she's starting now to run towards the things she needs to run towards.、Mm-hmm. Anything else on initial reaction? No. Then let's go on to a very populated segment this week. Three words. Three words. Three words. Yep. Three words. <laughs> Leslie, what were your three words? You know, my three words were some things don't change. I actually think now that that's grammatically incorrect to say some things <laughs> in that way, but I think some things don't change. I, I think the shape of things are gonna find there's gonna be a similar shape even you know regardless of which timeline it is. 
I think we saw that um, while we know that Rousseau's no longer alive, we still see someone that looks like her. You know, we see Claire. And, um, you know, while, um, you know, Claire is not um, having her baby on the island, she is still having the baby alone. And Kate is still there. And Ethan is still close by. You know, like, there's there's some shapes that are still very resemblant. Uh, I don't know if that's a word, resemblant of... um, of what we've seen already. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta uh, agree with you there. And in fact, um, you know, the the whole slogan for season six is "Destiny Found," and so my three words were "Destiny Definitely Found." Um, nice. Simply because I think you know we're seeing now that it doesn't matter which world they're in, their lives intertwine, uh, and not just around each other's lives, but around specific circumstances as well. You know, this whole thing with uh, Claire's baby and and especially with all of a sudden Ethan's going to be the doctor to deliver her and going to be the doctor that prior to delivering her, he's sticking needles in her just like he did in maternity leave. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this is just uh, this is too much to be coincidence, you know, and I think that's what they're trying to show us. Uh, And that was one of the the more hit-over-the-head things about this episode than anything else. So that's why it became my three words. And I'm going to read some tweets now. Let's see. Happy Being Busy Mom says, Bad Wig Claire. Brady Boy's three words were, Not a zombie. Gwimmy says, Big Hair Claire. Some more champ says, It's always sunny. John W. Beck. Zombie season begins. Samantha739 says, Claire's like Rousseau. Mr. Craig Carver, way too short. (laughs) Illuminant CEO says, Jack finally right? Or, he prefers, Hurley leads now. Um, And he comments, what a great scene that was. It was a funny little scene. It was awesome. Whimsy and quirk. Intriguing. Eventful. Nostalgic. Lost Maniac says, Crazy Australian Woman, and also lists, Broken Hearted Con Man, Resurrected Infected Torturer, and Cab Driving Kate. (laughs) Cab Driving Kate. I like that. Yeah. Uh, DM Brown 81, Bored to Death. Ooh. (laughs) Johnny2432 says, Could be better. It was awful. I hate fillers. Uh, Lottery Ticket, Predictable. Repetitive, inevitable. The flash sideways is making me crabby. <laughs> Max Hedrum six says only gets better. Claire plus Rousseau equals Clouseau, and sickness defined kinda. Oh no! The Pink Panther even surfaces in Lost. <laughs> Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> Big Daddy. It's Big Daddy Des. Big Daddy STLO6. And that is bigdaddystl.wordpress.com where you can catch his blog, Saeed's Not Jacob. But LostFan815K says, Kate still annoying. David on Lost, who has a blog at davidswinney.posterous.com, says, He swallowed it? Or Claire was claimed? Or Claire is infected. Lost in Cleveland says the sickness. <laughs> three syllable one. T 
TMG Lost, and of course you can catch his haiku blog at tmglost.blogspot.com. His three words: "I'm walking here." <laughs> Lope Dog Thirty Three says, "Down goes Aldo." Vast Sexy Nerd says, "Deja vu." Three syllables instead of three words. Fizzlehoff says, "Kate episode over," and let's move on. <laughs> Brigitte Italian says, "Claire joined Dark Side." Tom Wilson, twenty-three from SimplyTelevision.blogspot.com, says, "Who recruited Aldo?" Molly Faraday, skate, Aldo, and baseball. Nelly 061 says, "More answers, Aldo." <laughs> Nelly is a huge fan of Aldo. I happen to know. Deathcathlon、uh, says, "What Kate does." Sergeant Drano from the Station Seven podcast and Locks Lost Luggage says Kate is boring. And Henry Haney says Doc Ethan's giddy. <laughs> Jed Finlay from Losties with Jed Kara dot blogspot dot com、um, is、uh, says Holloway is slamming. <laughs> yeah, right on, Jed.、Uh, Abe Froman twenty one says Kate is annoying. Wow,、oh, a couple of those now. C.M. Yanko from、uh, the Black Rock Podcast, which you can find at blackrockpodcast.blogspot.com, says not Kate's episode. Yeah, interesting observation. Cute Poison Tin, laborious to watch. Katie Gallen from whatkatiesaid.wordpress.com says better than expected. Bad hair day, not enough Richard, unusually good Jack. Lost Star Wars, Claire. Bang bang. <laughs> Elton McManus、uh, from the Rethinking Lost podcast, which you can find at rethinkinglost.podbean.com, says Doctor Flipping Goodspeed or Jack Swallows Enema. <laughs> right on, Elton.、Uh, S. H. Wilson twenty four says Temple Food Court. Yeah, I like that line too. I like that line too. Um, Alias Squirrel eighteen says lost in Austin. Jack is back. Claire's gone native, <laughs> and keeps getting better. Eight oh three er, don't trust myself. It's my fault. Nice. Lemon eyes says Kate doesn't listen. Bruna Black, I want Richard. Where be Richard? <laughs> Sky Tweet says Jack is hardcore. Hurley is the greatest leader and epic.、Uh, the last word refers to the last ten minutes. All right, Sky Tweet, and we got one from the JD man. Remember, he was on our community yeah, call hey, a while、JD、back. Yeah, hey JD man. He sent one in for last week's episode, LAX, and here are his three words that I really like. This hippies with attitude. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's great.、Uh, we got some emails too. You want to start or me?、Uh, I'll start. Our first email is from Will, the guitar architect, and he says, "Hey guys, I really enjoyed your season premiere recap. I wanted to send my several guesses for three little words <laughs> for episode、uh, three." He says, "Kate's running again. Jack's very important. Said a zombie? No, it's poison. Sawyer had ring, and Claire equal equals." Rousseau Nouveau. <laughs> Rousseau Nouveau. That might be my favorite one. 
and then he says, thanks, guys. Thanks, Will, um, for your three words. We really appreciate that. And we got another email from Steve, who's also known as Mr. Bad. You can catch his blog at badlosttheories.blogspot.com. He says, hey, Matt and Leslie, my submission for three little words for what Kate does. First, Kate, stop it. At least on island, Kate. More lies, more escapes, more running away from Jack, and more running after Sawyer. Off island, her three little words are, Kate saves Claire. Hurrah! Kate actually accomplishes her goal and gets a big tip on Claire's credit card. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kiana says, Hi, Matt and Leslie. This is my first time writing in, but I've been listening to and enjoying the show for a while. Thanks, Kiana. I have some three-word descriptions for the latest episode of Lost What Kate Does. Here they are. Claire is Rousseau. Saeed's Ben Cleams. Someone hugs Sawyer. Oh. Violent Heimlich Maneuver. <laughs> good too. Keep up the good work and I'll keep listening, Kiana. Thanks, Kiana. And that wraps up the three words. That was a full boat. That was. Yeah. But if you want to send three words, and it doesn't, you know, like we said, for folks who are in the UK or whatever, we know you're getting the episodes later. And we tend to record just a couple of days after an episode airs. So if you haven't had time to send in your three words from last week, you can do... What JD Man did and, and submit three words for the prior episode. We'll be happy to read them without any problem. You can do that, of course, by tweeting me at Keys to Lost, or you can email the podcast at Keys to Lost at gmail.com, or you can call 314 754 9662. Please continue to send in your three, three word comments. We really appreciate it, and we're having a lot of fun with this. How about some key scene discussion, Les? Yeah, let's look at that. the whole game breaking down the key scenes you know surprisingly there were more kind of key scenes in this episode than I originally thought you know I was going to point to the stuff with Saeed more than anything else and turns out you know well outside of the the Sawyer Kate scene because that seemed pretty key to me but Mm-hmm. Turns out there was quite a bit in this episode. At yeah. least for me, you know, I, again, I've gone back and rewatched it a couple of times, so I was finding uh, some more subtleties than I had found before. I was watching your list of notes grow as we got closer to today. <laughs> yesterday. I guess we didn't have that much downtime, but I thought, oh, cool, yeah, we got a couple of key scenes, and then over the, you know, a big chunk of, like, last night, I watched the list get longer and longer. I was like, oh, Matt's, <laughs> Matt's coming up with some new stuff. Matt, Matt's, uh, Matt's rewatching. That's obviously... <laughs> When you see the the Matt's notes grow twice in size from within a few hours, you know that he's rewatched it yet again. <laughs> nice. Uh, so what do you have, Les? Well, um, I definitely put down the conversation between Sawyer on the dock. Um, I, I think that this is significant for a number of reasons, but you know something that stuck out to me is that you know there's this moment where they're both kind of they're both trying to take the blame for Juliet's death and. Kate saying, if I hadn't gotten on the sub, and Sawyer saying, you know, if I hadn't convinced her to stay two weeks, 
you know, on the stock, then then she'd be alive. But um, you know, I, I think what we learn in this moment is that um, you know there are any number of things that could have been different, and any number of people who could consider themselves responsible for Juliet's death. But in the end, um, you know, some things are just happening the way that they happen. It seems like you know this is kind of also in keeping with with Eloise and Daniel's theories on you know course correction or what happened happened. You know the shape of things still tends to stay the same. You know there were there were a lot of options、um, that you know that I could list a ton of, of of things that could have been different. You know if, if Juliet had just done this or that, she she would still be alive. But but that's not what happened.、Um, you know no matter what anyone did, Juliet was going to die. You know she even lived and then died. <laughs> so right.、Um, so yeah, I I think that was that was a pretty key scene. Yeah, I agree.、Uh, I'll just give you my comments because I had that same scene down. And、uh, to me, this this was a signal to me, and this is just looking at it from a fan perspective. But this was kind of a signal to me that this is the end of the shipper stuff.、Mm-hmm. Um, Kate, in the same episode, we see Kate pull away. It clearly looks like Jack's going to kiss her before she leaves the temple,、mm-hmm. and 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 she pulls away. Um, or goes ahead and leaves before he gets a chance to make that last move.、Uh, then when she is there with Sawyer, she comes and he says, you know, he's got that ring, you know, and she can totally see the grief in him. And and I think she comes to the realization that Sawyer's words are true that some people are just not meant to be with anybody. That's what he says before he gets up and throws the ring into the water. And I think that's why she's so emotionally hit. At that point, because she realizes that she too is one of those people. And, that was a question I had. Yeah, I, I I really think that one of the reasons that she's so emotionally hit there is that she comes to the realization that、uh, it's not just sorrow for Sawyer or sorrow about feeling blame for anything. It's it's sorrow for herself because she's. This is a point where she is turning. Away from the fact that she's been running from these things all of her life, and she's about to start embarking on turning around and running towards the things that she needs to, rather than away from them.、Mm-hmm. You know, and、uh, that so that that made that scene a key scene for me. That's a really nice explanation too. I was, you know, like I said, I, I didn't I didn't do any rewatches since the episode on Tuesday, and I I it. I, I could tell that you know that there was a very clear reason why she was upset, but I, I couldn't really tell what it was. You know, on a, on, on a first watch, I, I really didn't know if she was upset that you know she, you know, clearly wasn't going to be with Sawyer. You know, or if it was just frustration after having left the temple, where where Jack was like right there with her, you know, and running towards Sawyer, who now says like he just wants to be alone, and it's just like breakdown of frustration. I really couldn't tell.、Um, And I think、um, hearing your ideas about that, I, I think that rings kind of true when I hear you say it.、So. Yeah, you know, when we face when we face our own demons,、um, it tends to elicit an emotional response, and I, I think that's clearly what she's done at this point. And that's why later on she goes and asks for Sawyer's help、uh, to try and find Claire, because she's trying to rectify that situation too, which she had already started towards that path in season five. But we're seeing people start to, I think, more or less break their loops near the top of them as we go along in in this season already. As me and you were talking about with all of these character studies,、mm-hmm. 
And this episode is a great, subtle character study to me. You know, there's lots of, of great character stuff about a lot of characters in this in this episode. Plus the parallels of the the alternate universe where, you know, she has a chance to, to run. She doesn't ever have to go back and see Claire, but it's the fact that when she goes to change clothes using one of Claire's bags, hopefully to get some clothes from Claire, I would imagine, she finds the baby picture, or she finds the picture of Claire pregnant. She finds the orchid. She finds all these diapers and everything. And she realizes, wait a minute, you know, I mean, maybe in the, maybe in this alternate universe, she's not really even guilty. Who knows? Maybe she's on on the run. Uh, with Comic Con, you know that video. Uh, they said that she didn't kill her father; she'd killed somebody else. But maybe since we can't take that the particulars in canon, even though Hugo is lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, since we can't, but since we can't take the particulars as canon yet, unless we hear it in the show. Uh, she does tell Claire, what would you say if I told you I was innocent? You know? So maybe it's in the process of this running and everything that this ex-timeline Kate realizes, well, I don't want to be the become the person that I'm actually not just because of my situation. And that's why she goes back and finds Claire and yeah, offers and I- to help her. And I think Kate's Kate's always had heart. I mean, she's in in both timelines. She's the same in that way. Whether she's running or not, you know, she's she's usually making decisions based on some emotional kind of you know uh, stimulus or something. That's true. That's um, true. You know, so I wasn't surprised at all when she turned around and went back for Claire. Um, it seemed like right in keeping with the way that she she's always kind of going back for somebody. I mean, even after her mom turned her in, she's still going back to try to talk to her mom. She's, you know, even though her dad works for the government, you know, she's going, or the man she thinks is her father, she's going back to try to talk to him. You know, she's all, it seems like most of the decisions she's made, she's made, you know, from, from her heart. So it's, you know, I I think, I think those things are the same, you know, again, more of kind of the same, only different. Yeah. What else do you have? Um... You know, I, I think we're seeing just in, in, in exactly what I was just saying with the the same story kind of going on um, when we see these these key scenes between Kate and Claire and Ethan being there. You know, we've kind of mentioned this. Um, you know, since they were all participants in Aaron's birth, connected to Aaron's birth in some way on the island, it's interesting that they're all also connected to his birth um, um, in in our LAX timeline. Um, um, I think you know. I, I was I was trying to brainstorm a little bit about the psychic who sent Claire, and I'm wondering if she's been sent by the same psychic or guided by him in this in this other timeline as well. Um, but uh, you know, I was thinking, um, you know, the psychic really wanted Claire to to raise her baby, and you know, if if he's at all involved, he's still getting his way on this one too. Um, you know, Aaron still doesn't make it to adoptive parents in this episode so far. Wow, that, that that's a that's a neat point, um, and and in fact, it's in the world that we've seen from season one to five, where the psychic actually fails in that because it ends up being Kate who does most of the raising of Aaron in 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 that world, mm-hmm. uh, and in this world, uh, seemingly, um, even though Kate is the one who raises Aaron in the other world, she tells him she tells Claire. Uh, I think you should raise him, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, I, so that's that's a pretty interesting 
uh, notion right there that, that she kind of is the one who guides Claire down the right path in, in this X timeline. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. And it'll be interesting to see if Kate has any other connection to Aaron beyond this time. You know, she's clearly leaving. Kate's leaving at this point, mm-hmm. you know, but will she have any influence on Aaron's life after this? You know, we... Right. It, it'll be it'll be interesting to find that out. Right. Yeah, and uh, just more stuff about the whole Kate Claire stuff is uh, when Kate first takes the cab over and she kind of looks over and what I've seen in rewatches is a clear kind of a deja vu moment with Kate in regards of when she sees Jack. Mm-hmm. And, and I definitely caught the deja vu moment between her and Claire when Claire yells out Aaron's name. Uh-huh. And they even kind of beat us over the head with the dialogue that Claire says, I don't know. It's like I already, I, the name just came to me like I already knew it. Uh-huh. You know, uh, so maybe we are seeing for the more real evidence of some kind of bleeding over of the timelines. They're definitely connected. Maybe they're not complete without each other. You know, maybe there may need to be some way to put them back together at well, some point. Well, certainly one wouldn't exist without the other, right? Well, one certainly would seemingly not exist without the other. Although the, <laughs> the, 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 the whole... The whole Many worlds theory is that every choice we make creates another whole universe. So, uh, who knows how many versions there are of you and I sitting out here talking in front of microphones? Uh, right. Donald's Donald's had a very funny alternate timeline in his podcast that said he was the uh, he was doing a podcast on two and a half men, and his podcast was called Donald is Two and a Half Men. Which was very funny, you know. Uh, <laughs> but he was still doing a podcast. He just wasn't doing it about Lost, you know. Uh-huh. And, but the thing is, is that there there are so many choices. If that many worlds theory is correct, then uh, you know the fact whether you step on a daisy or not could make a big difference. And I think the point that Damon and Carlton are trying to prove is that yes, that is possible. We're we're seeing uh, that. You know, if, if killing a butterfly might change things, then what do you think blowing up a hydrogen bomb will do? Mm-hmm. You know, but at the same time, we're seeing that we're seeing that doesn't the, we're seeing that we're seeing a, a destiny involved mm-hmm. with these characters, and that's that's why, uh, hence the season six slogan, "Destiny Found." You know, I, and hence my three words this week. I think that's so great too, and you know, it's. How brilliant is it as, you know, as writers of the show to use the alternate timeline to show the destiny of their characters, to show how they're the same no matter what, to show that, you know, because when you see, when you're seeing a story of someone and you're like, you know, and, and, and all the thing, all the, the, all the signs are pointing to one of the characters being destined to do something, you know, you kind of, you know, shrug your shoulders and say, okay, well, I guess it was destiny, you know, but when you see two different you know, when you when you when you see it like this, with two different timelines going on, and the characters still do the same thing, it's kind of like they're proving it. You know, and that's right, neat. right, exactly. And you know, I I you see certain things where things relation between Island and X Line go somewhat mirror opposites. Which, if you look in a mirror, you are seeing the opposite of yourself. Uh-huh. So maybe in order to to, to complete this whole journey they have to find a way to put both of those sides back together in order to complete themselves 
you know, each character in each of our timelines are not complete. In my G. Kino moment, uh, with the way that he bled some of the music over from, from one reality to the other this week, uh, I think shows that there's definitely a connection in the way that he changed, uh, and I'll get more into it in the G. Kino moment, but the way that he specifically changed meter of the main tying theme of the, of, of the show, which was the Kate and Claire theme, he changed the meter through several different scenes to show that I think that things are amiss. They're not always running in the in the same kind of uh, it's not in the same kind of beat. It's not supposed to be this way. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. I like that. So, uh, what else do I have here? Uh, just some fun stuff, more or less, for me. I, I, let me first though talk about Jack just a little bit. I came out of this episode on the initial watch liking Jack again I mean really liking Jack again mm-hmm. you know um, our hero character is back but he's better now he's thinking things he is taking things on faith he is accepting responsibility you know uh, he's he's he threw that pill down his throat for crying out loud it wasn't to save Saeed maybe as much as it was a leap of faith that Dogen wouldn't let him die if it was going to kill him. Uh-huh. You know? Uh, or maybe it was to save Saeed, you know? That if he ended up dead from some pill, then there would be no way that Saeed would ever take one. Mm-hmm. You know? But either way, he tells Saeed, I'm not the one who fixed you. You know? Uh, he says that on a, a couple of times to Saeed. And when Saeed says... I, if you want me to take this pill, Jack, I will. And he, he just closes it back up in his hand because he he won't allow himself to make that choice for Saeed. And the others have said that, you know, he has to do it of his own free will. Well, he's not going to take it if it comes from us, but maybe he'll take it if it comes from you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Jack is just really incredibly strong in this episode. It's the most I've liked Jack in a long time. I mean, I really liked him in the incident. I liked the fact that he was trying to reason with Sawyer, you know, especially during that fight when Sawyer was just beating the heck out of him. And he he finally got a place where he had Sawyer off of him and and could have done some damage, but instead he tried to talk. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a big moment for for our character of Jack. And we're seeing another big moment, I think, this week with with, uh, all of this uh, stuff with Dogen. And uh, what else do you have? Well, you know, I think the I, I liked in the conversation between he and Dogen about, you know, how there's just like a little hint thrown as Dogen says, you know, he makes some comment about how, you know, even though he speaks English, he keeps himself separate from the rest of his followers by 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 speaking another language. And and, you know, these are kind of like little leadership tips that are being thrown towards Jack. And Jack's clearly never had any of that, really, even from his father. Who he worked under and and was was always near. I don't, I don't think he you know he was ever really he was always told that he couldn't be a leader you know by right. by his people. So so it's kind of like this interesting moment where you know Jack's learning something. You know you know Jack's listening to him on some level because he had such a hard time being a leader himself. All right. It was a look. It was a cool little interaction. It was a nice touch. Yeah, it was very. That's very neat observation. I I like that a lot. I like that a whole lot. Great. Thanks for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. There's some uh, just some fun stuff, too. Uh, 
one thing that I noted was when Saeed comes back from being tortured, he says they didn't ask me any questions. It reminds me of Han Solo saying they had me howling on a scan grid for hours. They didn't even ask any questions. You know, <laughs> it, it might have been a throw to, to Empire Strikes Back. It might have been another Empire oh, Strikes Back reference. Maybe. Uh, that's for the geek in all of us. Uh, not you. I'm I'm a geek though. <laughs> um, Ethan, as a good doctor, uh, I don't want to be sticking needles in you. You know, I mean that was unless you mm-hmm. unless you need me to. You know, it, it was just. Uh, it was so funny. And and the name Goodspeed as opposed to Rom. You know, the fact that he is Dr. Goodspeed. So we know he's still Horace's son. I mean, perhaps he's still Amy's son as well. But what does this mean? Since there is no island or the island is sunk, do you think that perhaps Ethan and Amy were actually sent on the sub uh, during the evacuation in 77 and we just didn't see them? Um and then in the timeline where our characters are existing at the temple, they returned to the island, perhaps to look for Horus or, or something like that. Or they returned to the island after the incident was over, or if the incident never really occurred in the, in the timeline you know that our current characters are in, maybe they returned and that's when Ethan became one of the others. When he Because the next time we see Ethan from the time he's a baby in 77 is when he's with Ben and he looks like he's about maybe 10 years old. Yeah. It would be late 80s, so he would probably be around 10, 11 years old at that time. So there's a whole period of time in there where they he could have left in 77 with, with Mom mm-hmm. and then uh, come back to the island. And because Goodspeed is a person uh, associated with the Dharma Initiative, there's no way that if he's going to become a member of the others that he's going to go by the name Goodspeed. So perhaps he takes his mother's maiden name, which I think is Rom. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, I could get into whole semantics about just the Goodspeed name, period. But because the island is sunk in the Exxon line reality, his mom and him never get a chance to return to the island. And so, therefore, there's no reason for him to change his name because the others don't ever make him change his name because he's never been another. I mean, that's, that's just a thought. I, I like the theories behind Ethan. That's great. Yeah. So that's that's just a thought. Um, now back to funny lines. Uh, Miles, as you can see, Hugo has assumed the leadership position. It's great <laughs> for us. Love that. And Miles had two lines. He actually, I love the "We'll be in the food court" line too, which was brought up in our three words. Uh, Hugo saying to uh, Saeed, "You're not a zombie, right?" You know that was awesome. Uh, yeah, that that's clearly one of those shout outs to to us fans uh, on the official podcast uh, Damon and Carlton have been threatening that a seventh season of Lost would be the zombie season <laughs> so that's clearly a shout out to us and to clearly define that Saeed no Saeed is not a, a, a zombie you know yeah um, because some people you know um, are still questioning whether MIB is actually the smoke monster or not and yeah <laughs> I don't know how much more direct you can get than that, but uh, I think unless the MIB comes out and says, don't you know I'm the smoke monster? <laughs> you know, I think some fans just aren't going to believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, it's kind of like global warming. For, oh, I'm sorry. What was that? What was that? said it's kind of like global warming. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Do you have anything else for key scenes? No, nope, that's it. All right. Well, I can't help but feel like I'm missing something because there were a lot of subtleties to this episode that needed to be explored. 
But maybe we'll come up with some more in the theories and answers section. Yeah, let's look into it. Boss, Faraday's got some interesting theories on what we can and can't do here. I want some friggin' answers! Theories and answers. Theories and... Answers! Yay! Yay. We did get a couple answers this week. We Uh, did! You know, we didn't get quite as many as we did last week, but I, again, there are some subtleties there that I think we got some answers to. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the answers that we definitely got uh, to me uh, is, of course, that uh, Jacob did not possess Saeed, obviously. Mm -hmm. In fact, I am of the opinion that the test was actually to see if Saeed was Jacob. I think I heard that first, actually, on what Katie said podcast, that she thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking that uh, um, after my second rewatch yesterday uh, was that uh, clearly blowing the ash over, they didn't see, I don't think they saw MIB as a threat yet because they were still saying they were trying to keep him out. Um, but obviously one of the symptoms of the sickness, which we find out that Saeed has, is that if you are dead, you come back from the dead. And so by ruling out that it wasn't Jacob, they were able to, and assuming that MIB is still outside the temple wall where they've now put ash around in order to keep him out, Mm -hmm. they can assume, they could limit it, they could rule it down to the fact that it was the sickness. Well, let me ask you this. If, If people who have the sickness can come back from the dead, is that what you mean to say? Uh, I think it's at the point of death that they get the sickness. Yeah. Okay, at the point of death. Yeah. That's that. Now that's a theory. Right. And, and in fact, we have a poll up at keystolost.blogspot.com where you can tell us what you think uh, the uh, the true symptom or the the point that you get infected is. Uh, in our initial reaction show that we did with Donald and Heath, or that I did with Donald and Heath. I said that I thought perhaps it was the murky water that infected Saeed. But I think that's probably wrong because we've seen too many other cases where we have other people running around who may have been infected by the illness, i.e. Robert who, with Danielle's team. And all of, all of Danielle's team went down into that hole where the smoke monster was, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we obviously saw Montan's skeleton. He obviously was killed. Yet we heard his voice coming up from the hole. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's clear to me that perhaps Smokey killed Montan. Then in, he became infected, uh, which to me tells me also that the sickness is, in fact, the influence of the smoke monster. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because now you have Montan doing the smoke monster's will, which is to lure the rest of the guys down into the hole. Or, if Montan was dead immediately, then uh, then Smokey could just become him, you he know, could, and He could have voice. duplicated him, of duplicated course. Duplicated him. But he couldn't have duplicated that whole team that Danielle ended up shooting. From what we know, he can only duplicate one person at a time. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Uh, and clearly when Jen was on the beach and he saw Danielle shoot Robert, 
There were many bodies lying around already. Oh, were there? Yes, there was at least two other bodies that okay. Jen stumbled upon as he was approaching her shooting Robert. Okay. Um, so that clearly tells me that they must have been under the influence or had the illness, or as we've learned its proper name is, they have been claimed. They've been claimed. Which is another key word, I think, to me, that says it's about being under the influence of something. Uh-huh. Of some other being, which clearly seems to be MIB at this point. Mm-hmm. What other answers did we get? Well, at the very end, we finally see Claire. Yay! She was one I, I you know, I've, if you remember any of our um, podcasts from um, the hiatus, um, she's one, whenever we would talk about things that we'd expect to see in season six or something that would be important to see, Claire was always right on near the top of that list for me. Um, it didn't make any sense to me that you know, the last time we saw her, she was just hanging out in the cabin, laughing it up with Christian, um, uh, which is interesting. Um, well, that might be a theory for another time, but... Um, this is the theory section. Throw it out there. Well, you know, if we're talking about Smokey only being able to to um, duplicate one person at a time, um, and we still don't exactly know what Smokey's connection is to Christian... Um, but we assume that there must be one there on some level because there hasn't been... I haven't heard any other good theories about why Christian would be walking around. Um, you know, besides it just it's magic or it's the island or something like that, you know, like a right. real theory. So, um, you know, if he, can only, if he can only duplicate one person at a time, I'm wondering, you know, is, is he duplicating Christian and then Claire is just infected with the sickness and they're both there together? I mean, clearly he couldn't be... Um, duplicating both of them. Exactly. Exactly. Or it could also be that somehow Christian was brought back to life by the illness. Oh, right. Right, there we it go. It could be that neither of them are smoky at that point. Gosh, well, there must be some kind of timeline on how long somebody can be dead. One, one would think, although Saeed appeared by, you look at the timeline of events, Saeed is gone after he drowns, in between that time, there's scenes where Hugo is taken to go speak to Dogen. Yeah. And there are scenes where Sawyer is brought in. Yeah, you're right. There's so. a lot of time spent sitting around there. So yeah. we don't know. It could be a much longer time period from the point of death than we think. Okay. So the point of death might not be as important as just the fact that the body is dead. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, so we find Claire, and we know that she has the sickness. We know that she and Saeed are both infected. We get these two answers um, pretty close to each other near the end of the episode, which is cool. Right on. Very cool. Those are some decent, decent answers. I guess I think to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, one answer that I took that uh, is one of those more subtle answers, uh, and that is. Uh, I found, and uh, some of, uh, like Donald and Heath, I think both agreed with me, is that with Aldo, and it's so funny to be talking about Aldo because I, just six months ago on Twitter, I was getting bothered by Nelly, uh, who was saying, what about Aldo? Aren't you going to do a character study on Aldo? And I thought, <laughs> never, we're never going to see Aldo again. Well, right. lo and behold, here's Aldo. Right. And what does Aldo's presence at, with the Temple Others 
confirm, you know, I thought Cindy might have been and the kids might have been an aberration because they were women and children and so they were allowed to go to the temple and remain there after safety, but that our Dharmaville others and our temple others, I was calling these others the Uber others, you know, they mm-hmm. were they were special others and maybe they were the only ones following Jacob. Well, not so much the case now, I don't think. I think Aldo pretty much proves that they're all of the same cloth, all of the same clan. Which probably also means that they're all following Jacob. Which probably also means that my theory about uh, the MIB posing as Jacob in order to lead the others uh, gets to get flushed down the toilet here pretty soon. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Quite possibly so. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I think Aldo is a clear sign to us that Ben's others and the Temple others are all of the same group. Yeah, that's a pretty big one, which I definitely did not notice yeah. on my one one. And uh, before we get into some questions, uh, I did pose a question to the Lost community as what do they what they thought was up with Saeed. So we want to thank Henry Haney, James Leon S K, uh, V L Durkin. You gotta be kidding me. The Ramen Noodle, uh, Brady Boy, uh, Flatulator, and Summertime for their thoughts about this. We're not gonna call anybody out as to whether they were right or wrong. We're just gonna read off uh, what was said in no particular order, as I announced their names in no particular order, too. So this should be fun for me to try and keep track of what order anything is so I don't say anything twice. Um, I'll just read them off. Uh, one person said, I'm thinking Saeed is the new Jacob, which I think we can rule out. Uh, another person said, I don't believe Saeed equals Jacob theory. I just don't. Another person said, I think Saeed is now Jacob and he will lead the others against Locke and Smokey. This will provide opportunity for his, for his redemption. I'm assuming he meant Saeed's. Uh, one person said, I think next week they will give us the answer to, to Saeed since they talked a little bit at, about it on this week's official podcast. Well, there you go. There's one way to know. Another person said, I don't think he is Jacob, but I think he will now be able to communicate and speak with Jacob, which is what I suspect Christian's role is as well. I also think Saeed's personality will be altered, or, as Richard said, he will lose his innocence. I'm sure I will feel like a complete idiot once the actual answer is revealed. But that's the best idea I have. Um, Another person says, Since we have Hurley able to see and communicate with Jacob, I don't see why he'd need a fake body. I do wonder why Jacob said in his note, They are all in trouble if Saeed dies. But did he even die? I think Miles couldn't read him, and that's why he said nothing. So, was he dead? Plus, looking back on when Jack brought Charlie back after Ethan hung him. It was like five minutes Charlie wasn't breathing and he came back. I want Saeed to be his same bad-a breakdance neck-snapping Iraqi. (laughs) Um, You know, and now I think we actually have an answer to that. Why they would be in trouble if Saeed did die. And that is because he obviously became infected. But why would that be big trouble for everyone? There's already been infected well, people on the island. Well, because remember Saeed or Jack, Dogen told Jack in this week's episode that the infection will spread. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
And we've heard from Danielle that she wasn't going to let any of them people live because what if it got off the island? Right. You know, what if the illness got off the island? What if other people became infected? So I think the clear threat to the others is that this infection is quite contagious. So that's pretty sickening in itself. Uh, Did I read everybody's responses here? Uh, No, I think you've got still one. Okay. Would be a very sneaky way to get into the temple if he's been banished. Never thought of that. Would also explain why Jacob let Ben kill him without a fight, almost taking him on, so he could get back into the temple. And that is a comment on another one that we saw. I think Saeed is now Jacob, and I think Jacob is akin to the devil. So now the evil deity is within the temple walls. Yep. My friend Erica had said the same thing when we were initially watching. and, and uh, oh, really? Yeah, she had said something like, oh, so that's how he's going to get into the temple. Wow. And I was like, oh. Um, which, you know, I, I don't think necessarily is the case yet. Uh, we can't say that yet. But, no. Um, I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll end up saying that at all. But, um, but I. It, it is a neat theory, and I, and I love the way they left that open for us to dance around for a few weeks. All right, on. So, what questions do we have now? One question is, exactly how did Saeed get infected? Does it occur at the point of death, or was it perhaps a murky spring, or is it something else entirely mm-hmm. that has caused this claiming, or so we think? If it is at the point of death or after a point of death, and me and you touched on this, does it explain Claire and Christian? Mm-hmm. And uh, what other questions did you have here? Well, you know, they they I noticed that Dogen and the others had asked how long, how long Saeed had, um, how long it had been since he had been shot. They didn't ask how long it had been since he was dead, um, I, I think, right? Right. Um and so that, you know, that brings to mind another thought of the young Ben having been shot by Saeed and how he was, you know, kind of in between. They didn't know if he was going to make it. He was very close to death. And Richard took him to the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I Which wonder we can what... assume it was the waters that healed Ben at that point. Right. But in mm-hmm. Ben's case, it seems to have worked. Yeah, and in Saeed's case, not. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I also wonder if, you know... Um, if there's some sense that Smokey has when someone dies that he can go there immediately, does he have to actually physically be there? Because we didn't see Smokey anywhere. Well, and he wouldn't have been in, been able to be in the temple anyway. Right. I think we would think with the ash and everything. And and as far as we know, uh, when they light that firework off and they're still doing the ash, MIB is, of course, still, still at the, the Toad statue. Yeah. So yeah. he can't possibly be at the temple at that point. Right. It, so how does the infection occur? How do they get infected? That's really yeah, that is there. the question, and uh, we still haven't gotten that answer mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, that's what we're still looking for. Yeah, and I think that you know that that's one of the questions we wanted to have answered in season six, but now you know now we want now we need even more specific answers. I think. Right, exactly. We kind of know what the infection is, but we now we want to know well how do you catch it? Yeah, right, right. We're gonna need to know that exactly. <laughs> Another answer. Uh, of course, uh, that was not really a needed answer, in my opinion, but it was one that Aldo gave to Kate uh, right off uh, when they were out looking for everybody. And, and she says, what are you protecting us from? Why do you need to keep us there and everything? And he says, you know, that big 
pillar of smoke you've seen around on the island from him, you know. Uh, I think that clearly also uh, reaffirms that it might be in the smoke monster or one of this thing. You know. You know, it still is unclear to me. I know we've heard the whispers of the others in the temple, and we know that you know, in the you know, over all the seasons when we've heard whispers, and we've heard Ben say, "If you hear whispers, go the other way." Um, I'm still a little bit confused by that. I still don't think that's quite. I don't think that's exactly cleared up because if the others are are temple others, and you know, the part of the idea of the temple is to protect people from Smokey, then you know, or MIB, let's say. Um, the smoke monster period um, you know why would they be out traipsing around the jungle whispering and dragging people away I mean I mean they, I, I can see them dragging people away to the temple to save them to keep them safe um, but why would Ben say if you hear whispers go the other way yeah I'm not so sure that it isn't some kind of calling card of the others to uh, I think Donald put it like that in, in mm-hmm. his uh, podcast last week that it's some kind of calling card to indicate to us that um, their presence is around. Um, you can't see them. You don't see them until they want to be seen. Who, um, the others? Yeah. And uh, perhaps the the whisper is a way of actually disorienting someone in order to be able to keep their actual location stealth. Maybe it is a more of a defense than anything else from somebody like it might be. Oh, if interesting. If they need to move around, huh? you know. Mm-hmm. Um that's a thought that I have about it. Okay. Uh, I still think that they are the source. Though. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I think that's that's pretty clear. Anything else for this week? I don't think so. I think that's it. You know, there's there's so much about this whole thing with the, are the timelines bleeding onto one another now uh-huh. with these little deju, deja vu things. I think it's probably going to take a few more episodes if we continue to see that among, especially so far we've seen it with Jack. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of seemed to recognize Desmond. You know, yeah, he seemed, and, and and the blood and, on and his the whole neck. thing on his neck. It was almost kind of a literal weird. metaphor. Yeah. You know, of something bleeding through. And uh, but it would be very interesting if that, that's one of the things. Oh but my God. The, these these kind of deja vu moments that we're seeing now, mm-hmm. uh, I think, point to me that there is some kind of connection between the two worlds. That they they need each other, or that one world is not complete without the other. Yeah, I think that's interesting as a thought. I'm excited to see what happens. And speaking of how the worlds might possibly be connected, we saw some musical connections this week. You ready to get into the G-Kino moment? I sure am. All right. Let's do it. The G-Kino moment. And in this week's G Kino moment, I'd like to start off with a thought about the theme from 815X. I got a tweet from Justin Keyes saying, like at Hawaii, I'm all about 815X theme. It even rivals the oceanic theme. And yes, it is a beautiful theme. And I agree completely. And at Hawaii, of course, is Ryan from the transmission who also commented about the beauty of that music to me. So... It is a wonderful piece, but I actually made a mistake last week in part of my analysis of it. And let me explain what happened. Evidently, my cable company was having signal problems while we were watching the premiere, and the audio was cutting in and out slightly during the time of that particular scene, 
So there was no effect on the music at all. While I was hearing this... rest of the world was hearing this. And as you can tell on that second one, there is no effect on the piano at all. So I apologize to you all for not looking into that further until just now, but I actually was re-watching the episode on Hulu, and that's when I discovered that there was no effect on the piano at all. So I still don't think that means that G. Kino isn't trying to tell us something about this world not being quite right. And I'm going to point to an example of that right now. There was a theme introduced last week in LAX, the temple theme which has this basic half-step palette, harmonic palette going on underneath it in a march kind of style. Let me play that for you on the piano. Okay, so you hear that half-step, that dun-dun-dun-dun. What's happening there happens underneath things that are happening on the island in 2007, and it also became part of a background for some scenes with Kate in the X timeline this week. So let me play these two clips for you. I want you to listen again for that part that I just played on the piano underneath both sets of clips. The first one is from Hugo leading the group through the tunnels underneath the temple. And the second one is from Kate taking Claire to the hospital. So let's listen to the Hugo clip first. Okay, so you can definitely hear that variation, the half-step variation underneath that, that dun-dun-dun-dun. Now, listen to this clip with Kate and Claire when Kate is first bringing Claire to the hospital. You'll hear that same motive underneath. The melody is slightly different. It's not a representation of the temple theme, but you do get a certain kind of half-step slides in the melody as well, just like you do in the temple theme. So let's listen to this clip. Okay. 
injections. When did they start? <clears throat> About 20 minutes ago. Try to relax. We're going to take you to the MCU to get looked at. Are you with her? Yeah. Okay, what are you doing? What, what's going on? Hold on. The doctor will be with you in just a moment. Now, this to me is a clear representation that one world and the other are related in some way. Perhaps they need each other to exist. Perhaps they coexist just because of the commonality of our characters. But G. Kino is trying to, to bleed over the music in terms of what themes we hear, or at least what harmonic palettes we hear underneath those themes. He's, he's bleeding those over from one world to the other. And we did see some significant things this week where Kate seemed to recognize Jack, where both Kate and Claire seemed kind of thrown ajar by Aaron's name. So it's it's very strange that G. Kino would now decide to bridge some musical connections between the two worlds at the same time that we're starting to see some connections between the two worlds with our characters. Just a thought. Now I'm going to move on to some stuff that is X-Timeline specific. And this is a theme that was presented with Kate and Claire. It's a fairly simple motive. It consists basically of nine notes. And the repetitive figure of the motive, actually, one time the motive just repeats itself, and the next time it merely moves down in terms of intervals, meaning that it sounds lower but it has the same distance between each note as the first set. So let me just play it for you on the piano. So there you have a D, E, A, D, E, A, and then A, B, E. And the A, B, E have the same interval differences in it as the DEA. So there's what I call parallel motives based on a different harmony. And let's speak of harmony for a second, because G. Kino takes that same nine-note riff, and he actually applies two different harmonizations to it, but it all still leads around to A minor. Let me play for you the two accompaniments that go with it. a scene where we hear that theme with Kate and Claire. I should go. Oh, wait. Um. Here, take my credit card. No, there's not much of a limit on it, but something. You don't have to do this. You didn't have to do what you did either. I don't know why I said it. It's like, I don't know, I knew it or something. I think you should keep him. 
Yeah. Me too. Thanks. Now, in this next scene that we hear this theme again with Kate and Claire, G. Kino has done something to alter it. He has changed the time signature of the motive. Before, it was in 4-4 time. Let me play for you with a metronome so that you'll hear that there are four beats in each measure as this motive is played. Now, in this next scene, he actually uses three beats instead of four. So it's in three-quarter time. Let me play that for you on the piano. What does this difference mean? By eliminating a beat, we can take a couple of things from it. It could be that he is raising the expediency. Uh, this is a scene where Kate is trying to, you know, she's trying to get away and, and she's trying to move on, but she's still offering Claire help. And so the immediacy of needing to get something done one way or the other may be the reasoning behind this. I'm going to take a slightly different interpretation, though, and that is, again, that things are not quite complete in this world that we're seeing, this X timeline. And that's why G. Kino makes a point to make the theme in one time signature and then in another to show us that a beat is missing. Something is somewhat out of place. So let's listen to this scene where you'll hear the Kate and Claire theme in three-quarter time. Uh, no, it's a couple who's adopting my baby. They were, um, they were meant to meet me at the airport, but I guess they got their days mixed up or something. It's not like they abandoned me. Brentwood, not far. Get in. <laughs> Seriously. Do you want a ride or not? So my final thoughts about this, again, even though we didn't have the effect like we did last week, or like I thought we had last week, we're still seeing things from G. Kino that's indicating, one, this X world is dependent upon the 2007 world that we know, and two, this X world is not quite complete on its own. Those are the two things that I'm getting from the way G. Kino is applying music here. We are seeing that bleed through of those basic harmonic palettes like I demonstrated in the Temple theme palette coming over to the X world. What does it all mean? I don't know if G. Kino is scoring anything based on future knowledge, but if he is, then I think this is a clear sign that we're going to have to see some kind of resolution to bring these two worlds together in order for things to work. 
if he doesn't know what's going on in the future, maybe he's just getting a feeling that because we're seeing the characters in two timelines, that in a way our characters are split and their actions are split as well, and so that neither side is truly complete. And that's the G. Kino moment for this week. And let's move on to feedback. Thanks for getting my back on that whole beach issue. You should think it was a stupid idea. Well, what does that say about you agreeing with me? Let's figure out something better before we get there. Well, I'm open to suggestions. Feedback. And we got a little feedback this week. Uh, we got a couple of tweets. One, of course, from Jed Finley, who is, of course, Jed from Bosties with Jed and Kara. Hey, so, Jed and Kara. Hey, Jed and Kara. That's uh, Losties with JedKara.blogspot.com. Check out all of their awesome vids or subscribe to them on iTunes and get their vidcasts, two of them a week. One on an initial reaction, I think, is comes out on Wednesdays or maybe Thursdays. I can't remember which. And then their regular uh, weekend show, which comes out on Monday mornings. So be sure to check them out on iTunes. Uh, he says, Jed says, not through your whole initial reaction. Got a great email noting that LAX Jack looked into a mirror. Kate did too last night. Are they literally using mirror image to demonstrate the reflection of each story? I love that. That's a neat thought. That is a neat thought. And we've been seeing mirror images uh, throughout the years with different things where he says these characters seem to go through the whole, you know, one character does one thing and it reminds you exactly of when another character did something very very similar you know uh nancy drew was the one who coined mirror images first i think oh that's right yeah. um so uh that's pretty awesome and we have another tweet from sunlock that says what if the baseball that the leader of the others had was the winning ball from the world series that the red sox won <laughs> Which, that, that would be totally awesome i mean it'd be a way to demonstrate something to jack i guess it would be heartfelt for jack because uh, of course, you know, him and Sawyer had that moment where he says that's why the the Red Sox will never win the World Series. He told Sawyer that that was something that his dad always said. And that was when Sawyer had a chance to tell him that his dad was actually remorseful when he was in Australia. He didn't until right yeah. before Jack, uh, right before Sawyer left for the boat, you know, but... And we, don't we also see a reference to the Red Sox World Series game on the screen at some other point? Yep. Ben brings it to him to prove to him that they do have contact with the outside there, world. There Jackson we go. Captain there we go. Brings wow, this, is, this might be a good theory. Yeah, could be fun that way. Right on. Thank you very much, Sunlock. Emails. Here's one from Super Spandex. He says, Smokey McSmokerson. Hey, guys, just listened to your latest cast and was interested in your discussion on Richard and Smokey. You took a turn towards speaking about Richard and how he related, and I wanted to get your opinion on the Smokey reveal in general. Do you think this is what Smokey had been throughout the previous seasons of Lost? I believe this is a relatively new idea they came up with, and I'm having a very hard time believing Smokey has been a person this entire time. Smokey has always been presented uh. as somewhat uncontrollable, I find, and to have Locke turn it off like a light switch was hard to swallow for me. It was pretty cool to watch, though. 
All right. Uh, thank you, Super Spandex. You know, I see, that's the thing is, I'm not looking at it as it being on and off like a light. I'm looking at it as it being the actual thinking being, being Smokey. And he just is assuming the lock form the same way he just assumed Yummy's form. Mm-hmm. Which tells me, you know, especially when, when Yummy looks to Locke or looks to Echo and says, you speak to me as if I were your brother. That clearly tells me that, yeah, they are the same. It mm-hmm. is all one and the same. And I don't know that they've had the idea since the pilot, but I'm betting they've had this idea at least since they got an end date. Agreed. Okay. But thanks for your thoughts, uh, Spandex. And I can see why it can be kind of a tough thing to take. It was tough for me to take. I'd been thinking that Smokey was a separate third entity this whole time. I had a whole theory based on all of that. So, um, But it did include that the infection or claiming or illness had something to do with the smoke monster, which I think we can probably say it doesn't. Yay, get to pat myself on the back. Yay, Matt. Our next email is from Sven Estep. Um, the subject is the smoke monster. He says, hello from Sweden. Um, after seeing LAX, we all know that the nemesis and the smoke monster is the same person. But who was in the cabin, and why could Ben summon the smoke monster? The smoke monster could not have been in the cabin when we saw a smoke monster terrorized during the same time on the island. But there is no reason to protect Jacob either, since Nemesis can't kill Jacob because of the rules. It also makes no sense given Richard's reaction to Nemesis. They obviously know each other, but it seems likely that Richard believed Nemesis was no longer a threat. He seemed very shocked and scared to see him again. If Nemesis indeed was imprisoned in the cabin but managed to escape, why didn't Jacob tell Richard about it? As I see it, Jacob must have been a prisoner in the cabin by the smoke monster. Smoke monster knows he can't kill Jacob, but if he keeps him captive, he can manipulate events so Locke, Ben, etc. will do things that are good for the smoke monster. He succeeds, and when Jacob escapes from the cabin, it's already too late for him to do something about the nemesis' manipulation. Can Ben summon the smoke monster? Yes, but the only reason for the smoke monster to attack the Widmore people was to protect John Locke and Ben. The reason for this is that the smoke monster is planning to kill Jacob, where Locke and Ben are protagonists. Right, so he can assume Locke's form, and he can... can have been killed Jacob and it can all be done under the guise of being others. Mm, okay. I kind of like that theory that he's actually holding um, mm-hmm. uh, Jacob prisoner there in the cabin at that point. And we've actually talked about that theory before I think at some point. Yeah, there's there's, but uh, my whole thing was of course that if MIB had been posing as Jacob to the others mm-hmm. that he would also be in the cabin uh-huh. Um, and that maybe we could have talked about maybe that it was Jacob that was holding him there. But remember, but, you had mentioned that that maybe that's why Jacob said "Help me" to John when he was in the cabin. Because that's true. Trapped. That's true. That's I. We, I think we did talk about that briefly last week. And I, but I think this is much more of a cemented theory now by the fact that I believe that the others were testing to see if Saeed was Jacob because they were test they threw the ash on Saeed to see how Saeed was would react and either MIB or Jacob would have reacted the same way to that ash I believe I think it's repel or or something to keep you uh, along that zone 
either way. Uh, and so, yeah, it makes sense. It, it, like you said, uh, Jacob asking John for help. And the addition here that the smoke monster is holding him there so that he can manipulate events and, of course, go help uh, uh, Ben when Ben needs help in order to keep his whole plan in place in order to become Locke, in order mm-hmm. to get Ben to kill Jake. Mm-hmm. Makes, it makes a lot of sense. I like that theory, Sven. Thank you very much for sending it in and, and submitting some of our own ideas uh, more towards that. Nicely done. Uh, the next email from LazyMan9484 says he has more thoughts. If the main island is underwater in the parallel universe, does that mean that Hydra Island sunk too? I also just realized that Desmond's exercise bike was in the grossly enlarged crater. But in flashes before your eyes, we see it in the middle of the jungle a couple of yards away. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So never is, this, that. is this a continuity error, you think? Just something where they didn't go back and check the footage and, and just put the exercise bike to let us know that it was the hatch, but didn't think that about that somebody like LazyMan984 would go back and look and see the footage? Or do you think it's some kind of point to us that something's not right? I don't know. I tend to say it's the latter. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's not trying again to tell us that neither of these universes, the one where whatever happened happened, or the one where things have changed, mm-hmm. are correct, unless they are both together. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting theory, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, don't know. But thank you very much. At least you caught it, Lazy Man. That's yeah, ob- obvious. I. So, be it a continuity error or uh, this, then uh, I suppose it could be one or the other, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got an email from Mr. Bad, who is, of course, badlosttheories.blogspot.com. That's bad with two Ds, not just one. He's so bad he's got two Ds. He's so bad he got two Ds. He says, Matt, I thought you were spot on with your theory about Juliet's consciousness jumping to the future and reporting back. Let's do coffee and we can go Dutch. And then Miles reporting her unspoken words. It worked. I can't wait to see how the Flash Sideways untangles and what the Losties' future will be and how it will get there. Leslie, I am on board with your frustration with all the new characters. I like Dogen and Lennon, and the Temple Others are cool, but it is a big stretch to introduce so many new characters and new mysteries so late in the show. The Ankh in the guitar case was such a big build-up to have a Karate Kid Dogen smash it to bits... Has Jacob ever heard of envelopes? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I just didn't see that all coming. And then for Dogen to actually, you know, break it. And even Hugo's like going, dude! <laughs> you know, and then it just has the, the, the message funny. in there. Yeah, it was kind of a little strange. But it does show us something. That Jacob knew all of this was going to happen. Uh-huh. You know. That's exactly uh, what I thought when he started reading the letter, because that letter has been sealed inside an Ankh, and that also lets Dogen know that it actually is from Jacob. It's been written before now. Right, and Jacob had given that guitar case, obviously, to Hugo long before Hugo ever had a chance to give it to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
long before the hour or so when Jacob appeared to Hugo and said, I died an hour ago. And that's why you have that guitar case. You know, yeah. that's why you need to take Saeed to the temple. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it, it, it does uh, it does show about Jacob's knowledge of the future, if nothing else. And we've always seen that since the time he's gone back and touched each of the losty. They were going to be involved in some way. You know, it right. seems like... It seems to me now less likely that he just chose them specifically for his purpose. Um, and and more the case that that um, he was just going to them because he he knew they were coming. You know, he was he was he was hmm. helping them along that path as opposed to just choosing them to be the ones to come. Um, I think it's really likely that they were already all going to come. Their hmm. destinies are just seem to be pointed that direction. Huh. Okay. Um, just want to throw me... that out there while I'm thinking about. It. I'm I'm perfectly willing to be shot down on that because I think I've said the opposite before. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that, that, that I don't think that Jacob's touches have proven to mean anything exactly yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they will have a much larger play in things. But I that just don't know what that is. That may be a good question for us. I just don't think we've been told section. what it's been yeah. said yet. Yeah. Right. But, you know, you, you, your theory is as good as anybody else's out there. Yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> you know? Because we just don't know yet, in ter- as far know. as I know. Um, this last email from Big Daddy Dez. Kate's arrest. Hey, Matt and Leslie, trying to think outside the box on this one. What if Kate has been arrested in the alternate timeline for murder of someone else other than her stepfather? No real data to back this up, other than, I don't believe, it has been stated in Season 6 that she is wanted for the murder of her father. If Hurley can go all the way back and now have good luck... What if Kate is wanted for the murder of one of our other favorite characters? <laughs> My crackpot theory would be Michael, and that's why he wasn't on the plane. It's a long shot. Thanks a bunch, Big Daddy Dez. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You know, I if if the uh, the thing about Hugo saying I'm the luckiest man alive tends to lean towards the Comic Con video that we saw of him. Yeah. Where he says, uh, I, ever since I won the lottery, I've had nothing but good luck, and now I own Mr. Clucks, blah, 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 blah. And this is why you should buy my chicken. Um, so if Hugo seems to be more canon-esque, then perhaps Kate is too, in that she's actually not, hasn't murdered her father, mm-hmm. but has murdered his assistant, Ryan Milner, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh-huh. Um for them to go and just throw things in our face like that right off, you know, so vividly and so um, exact is not very Damon and Carlton-like in terms of how they've been in Comic-Con before. Um, maybe they did it because they said, well, sure, we'll put the answer right in front of your faces uh, because you think we're not going to. Yeah, uh, That's, that's how, how sneaky those guys can be sometimes, I think. Plus, there is evidently a story that at one point during the signing of uh, Season 1 DVDs, which actually, I guess, came out before Season 2 started, Mm -hmm. somebody asked Damon what was in the hatch because nobody knew yet. And Damon evidently wrote, A Man Who's Pushing a Button Every 108 Minutes, which turned out to be the exact truth. Uh Uh-huh. But... Nobody would have believed that at the time. He probably right, looked at it and then looked at Damon <laughs> and said, "Yeah, right," you know, and walked off. 
So I won't discredit your crackpot theory about it possibly being one of our beloved characters. You know, I hadn't thought at all about Michael. Yeah. I, it hadn't occurred to me that he didn't make it to the island. Yeah. It didn't even cross my mind once. Or it hadn't occurred to you that he wasn't. That he wasn't on the plane. That he wasn't on the plane. Or that, that we landed didn't see successfully. Him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we yeah. haven't seen him. Yeah, I don't know if we'll see him or not. Yeah. I guess it will depend on whether they can book the actor or not. Yeah. What else you got? That's it. All right. Anything? Any comments about any of the emails? No, they're they're really great though. There's a lot of good theories coming in, and um, you know, I I think probably 80% of them are are theories now that we read and go, yeah, well, you know, that's really thought out and really nicely put, and you know, um, all very supported, you know, by the evidence that we've seen. So that's really cool. All right. Uh, so why don't we move on to closing thoughts? Closing her up. Closing thoughts. And closing thoughts. Well, it's been quite uh, an interesting little episode here. Yeah. Our fortieth episode. Oh, yay us! We've That's great. We've done forty of them now. Oh wow. <laughs> Leslie, what were your closing thoughts on the show? Well, you know, I thought. Um, it's after after talking about some some as you mentioned in the beginning talking about some of the the more of the subtleties that were were um, were involved in this and some of the um, the new theories that this leads us to um, that are you know not so outlandish and probably will be answered in the next handful of episodes it it, it was really a lot more fun to to talk through this episode on our podcast I think than I thought it was going to be and, and and certainly I think even a little bit more fun than it was to watch this episode. Well, um, I have to say that I can't disagree with you there. Talking about it uh, always brings up more thoughts and ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, um, the first watch was definitely more painful than any other subsequent watches. And I think that we've actually got a little more out of this episode than a first look would tend to uh, make us think. So this is one where you just got to juice it a little bit. You got to juice it a little bit. Well, you just got to, <laughs> or maybe you just got to look a little harder. You uh-huh. know, right, let's let's face it. They knew they were going to get more viewers last week uh, than they'd had in a while because of all the talk over the hiatus. Sure. Um, and then to pay off the hardworking fans, they gave us an episode like this. Oh, well put. You know. Um, so, uh, and of course they knew that they were probably going to get some slack from those same hardworking fans because they were going to have to go back to, uh, being hardworking fans rather than just, you know, being able to sit back and enjoy it as well as they did last week. But, uh, nonetheless, this is a, uh, this was a much better episode, uh, uh, when you look at it, um, a little deeper. Mm-hmm. than when you're just taking it from the server. So, I agree. All right, on, notice you tweeting more. I know, I've been trying to make an effort to you're be more bird-like. Good. You're You're tweeting like crazy now. <laughs> well, yeah, now there's, now there's an episode happening, and, you know, after Alexis leaves the room, I'm like, hmm, what does Matt think? What is he doing? What does Donald say? What is everybody saying? <laughs> ah, 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 yeah, it's, it's begun to happen. Right on. Well, you could always join us on our initial reaction shows. I could. Um, you could uh, come by sometime, especially since I am the host next week. If you, you want to be, are. 
Yeah, if you want to be up at 1.30 in the morning so that he <laughs> can get his episode, you know, watching in before he comes on, you're more than welcome to join us. Wow, I'll think about it. You know, for a musician, I tend to head, head to bed a little early, but I, I might think about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, stay up until 5 in the morning. <laughs> no, I will not do that. <laughs> oh. Well, darn. I tried, guys. Donald, I tried. <laughs> Keith, I tried. Okay, so anyway, uh, we hope that you will certainly, folks out there in He's the Lost podcast land, uh, continue to listen to us. Subscribe to us on iTunes. All free. It's all free. In the meantime, stay, stay lost. lost. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> I know. It's trying. Catch me on the 13th. Actually, no, you can't now. We've been canceled. You have? Yeah. But you don't get to go first at the but beginning. But I, I don't get to. I mean, you don't get to go second at the beginning. You have to go first. So my three words, I thought were were definitely. So my three words were. Let's see. TMG lost. And of course, you can catch his high. TMG lost. And of course, you can catch his haiku. Haiku. Fizzlehoff says, Kate ex. Fizzlehoff says, oh, Fizzlehoff says, Kate episode over and let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Jed and Kara were on something like 38 or 39, Mm -hmm. but they're doing two a week. So they'll soon be way ahead of us again. Yeah. Well, that's okay. It's not a competition. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> where, where, where Jed and Kara are concerned, of course it's a competition. I'm going to beat them. I mean, they... What are you talking about? Jed blew me is. up in a car a couple of weeks ago. I mean, come on. I forgot, I forgot I, I've you were got to up. figure out some way to have more episodes than the guy. Okay. I, mean, we, I may have to do G. Kino moment episodes exclusively well like into the <laughs> next fall just to make sure that I have... More final total episodes than wow. Losties with Jed and Kara. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to commit to that at this time, but I, I, I'm very supportive. <laughs> <laughs> and now the rest of the world is going, man, I wish he'd just shut up and close the show. <laughs> so- Keys to Lost is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all of your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com.